0: How's
1: it going? I'm good, Mark. I'm good, Mark. Welcome to the playroom, first of all.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is uh, I'm looking forward to our little chat. You're welcome. Good to meet you.
1: Good to meet you too. Where are oh, you from? Yeah. Where are you at right now? Tampa. Tampa. Oh yeah. yeah so, Super So we well. don't have
0: any of the snow. Like it was like like yesterday. It was like freezing at like 59 or something.
1: What? <laughs> like the skulls again. Uh, did you watch the Super Bowl?
0: Yeah, not from not from the stadium, but yeah, I watched it from uh, from home. It was uh, uh, this is the second time I've had the Super Bowl in, in like you know my town. I used to be, I was living up in New Jersey last time uh, when they when they headed over at the New Giants Stadium.
1: Okay, nice, so, nice, awesome. I'm about to also record this in, in the video so we can also have a video chat too
0: sir awesome you're the boss
1: welcome mark and i really really appreciate you for being here how are you today
0: i'm doing fantastic how about yourself
1: i'm doing well thank you i'm doing well thank you i want people to really know like who you are you know what you do because i think the energy started on a very very huge wave <laughs> so i want to <laughs> keep it going that way
0: so uh so who i am Uh I'm a uh, uh, previously a professional musician who turned uh, marketing guy, who turned author. So, uh, so I've kind of reinvented myself. Every decade or so, I, I reinvent myself into some new, you know, thing that I'm chasing. And um, and the latest is uh, is uh, as an author.
1: Awesome, awesome. I could also see shout out to Podmatch that you were. Based on your profile, you spent about more than 10 years playing the bass in the Broadway show Rent. Yeah. Tell me more about that.
0: So um, I graduated from Berklee College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts in let's see, it was 94, 93, 94. And, uh, and I had this idea that I wanted to play on Broadway. Um, I, I hadn't been to a show at that point, but like it was a steady gig. And I think as a musician, like, <laughs> like we, any, any idea, any thought of having a steady income and steady job was, uh, you know, was pretty cool. And, and, and also Broadway was really prestigious at the time. And, and I mean, it still is now. Um, but, uh, uh, so I, kind of headed down that path and, and started, this is before the internet was really a big deal. So, um, you know, so I was walking, you know, going into the city, walking around the city every, uh, every day, stealing playbills and and phone books and just calling people and trying to get into that scene as best I could uh eventually got a job writing for bass player magazine which which kind of positioned me as an authority in the space nice um in, in an interesting way and uh and suddenly everybody wanted to be my friend and get in, you know because i was writing for the magazine and and uh it gave me a chance to kind of show everybody what i was capable of doing and within i guess probably about two years i was uh subbing for the broadway show rent on broadway you know on, on broadway and ultimately uh, got uh um, Touring the country uh, with the first and second, second national tours.
1: Wow, that's amazing! Yeah. Definitely, that that definitely shows a lot of experience, time, and most definitely practice. Do you do you still play?
0: Yeah, yeah, I still have uh, my base there. It is. Oh, there it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, yeah, no, I still play. I, I don't play for the show, although I I do sub for the uh what was the current tour before covet hit so i you know so i i went out a couple of weeks was it last year or no it was, it was a year before last year uh i went out for a couple of weeks um you know to, to fill in whenever somebody needs a break but um but yeah i mean it was it, it was uh it was all about persistence and tena- you know tenacity and um and uh and just having a, a really strong message and drive because at the time, I was I was not the best bass player in New York City. Like you know, I mean, there were there were thousands of people that were vying for you know for these types of jobs, and um, it's not that I was better than everyone. It, it's that I was I was very competent. I was very good at my my uh, instrument. But really, what it was about was was um, being able to you know not give up and just keep knocking on doors and, f- and finding interesting ways to get in. Um, you, you know. Nobody had really thought of like, well, if nobody's going to pick up my, you know, my call, what if I wrote for a major magazine Then I bet then I bet they'll answer the phone. <laughs> right. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened.
1: Wow. You know, it's crazy that you just mentioned bass because I play the drums, too. And I've been playing for over 20 years, self-taught. Oh, wow. And it just you just kind of like sparked that question, because, you know, when you hear a drum and bass, they always go together so oh, yeah. in your experience did you ever have problems with drummers that won't get you <laughs> right because <laughs> there's a there's a track record of you know musicians doing crazy stuff on stage like you know eyeballs and everything <laughs> no,
0: well there's always i mean there's there's no shortage of drummer jokes out there uh, but then again there's no shortage of bass player jokes either so i should that's probably be kind um Probably one of the funnier things that that would happen is um, when I was on tour with the show, uh, and, and this is like a major Broadway production. Like it was, you know, it was it was a big deal. Um, and there were t- certain times where the lights would go out, where it'd be pitch black, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and it would be silence, and it was like, you know, either changing sets or like a very, you know, uh, specific time in the show. Yeah. And the drummer used to throw his drumstick; they try to hit the strings on my bass. To see if you can get it to like, the middle of this like really quiet moment, you know, prang, you know, In order to uh, partly get me in trouble, but also uh, just it just became like like when you you know you're traveling and you're playing the same show night after night, you get bored, you start to. You know, it starts to get more and more ridiculous as it goes. As
1: time goes. Wow, (laughs) that's true. Because even when I play the drums and with bass, when I see the bass line, you know, he's looking at me, and I can hear doom, doom, doom. Like you know, you're supposed to be on that kick. (laughs) So yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. Now that you know, of course, with music, that also tells a lot about you know the way you're able to read, you know, the way you're able to multitask. Definitely. And yeah. you've also been able to get into the gift of marketing, which is your your other strength. And now with marketing, how have you been able to use that to leverage and change the world as it is today?
0: So um, at, at some point when I, was, when I was playing the show, I decided that I wanted to start a marketing company because I found that I was just really good at getting in front of people. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was like, I, and, and meanwhile, I would see all these people that I went to school with that were, you know, uh, incredible guitarists and drummers and sax players and they're all wait tables and you know working regular jobs and not doing what they um, what they were meant to do what they've been chasing yeah. you know their whole life and uh, and so like really really talented people so it occurred to me like these this is not like a performance or you know issue this is not whether or not they're good enough for the gig this is 100 percent not knowing how to get in front of the right people right and and so uh so i started to i wanted to create a marketing company because like if i can do this for myself i bet i can either teach or or do this for other people and uh and so that's what i did like and and so i started taking on a lot of musician clients and then which turned into um you know uh eventually grew to taking on big companies like nike and american express and uh berkshire hathaway and and so i had this like really small like like uneducated natural talent of of you know marketing uh, ability uh mixed with okay now i'm stuck in and i'm working with a client like nike or american express and and because it was early on and, and you know in in the you know, website marketing, you know, like digital marketing world, where they didn't know what to do. You know, like they're like, we we know we need to do something about all this stuff. Right. We're just not, we're just not really sure what it is. So let's bring on other people that say that they do this, and that's kind of how I, you know, it's good good timing and very you know, again the tenacity, um, and uh, and then after about you know ten or fifteen years, I decided to uh, exit that company because. Um, you know, what I originally intended, you know, in terms of helping people and making a difference and and being able to say, hey, here's this thing I could do to help people live that purpose, um, once it started getting into all the big companies, like it wasn't as fun anymore, like it wasn't as meaningful, Um, you know, Nike, did Nike sell more sneakers because of me, maybe a half a dozen, I don't know. But like, it didn't really make a difference. like it's not like, the- it's not like at the earnings call, they're thanking me for making a big difference in their company. And, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to work with people that I could really make a difference for. So I started uh, a couple of years ago, I exited that company and started a company called Loudmouse and we're a personal branding agency and uh, and we help people that have that big message, that big idea, uh, get in front of the people they need to get in front of and, and build Uh, build their brand, build, you know, that that message in in order to make that difference.
1: That's great. Loudmouth. First of all, the word itself sparks curiosity, so to speak. Sure. So what 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 brought loudmouth to what it is today in terms of how you phrase the word, use two completely different words, put them together and you can see loud and loud. Let me just kind of give an example for loud. I'm thinking as a personal brand the word loud in your sentence and your statement is more so like a a reinforcing idea that shows how important it is for you to be heard so I'll leave the I'll leave the rest to you <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you did a pretty good job, actually. So, so the idea behind Loud Mouse and, and what we stand for, and, and what my belief is, um, and and it is two very extreme words. You have like you know loud, which is really big and, and boisterous and, and you know loud, uh, and then you have mouse, which is you know usually something very small and you know and, and uh, somewhat ins- insignificant. The idea behind it was. How do you know uh, Is is that it's my belief that anybody uh um I don't you know no matter the size, uh, you know, has a right to be heard. And uh and so when I you know, my view of marketing is so much about messaging and so much about being heard. Uh, than anything else, like it's, it's um, you know it's not a website, it's not social media, it's not paid ads. It's this idea of like how do you get in front of people and be heard? How how you know? And I don't you know. You don't have to be, um, you don't have to be a big company like Nike or uh, you know a, a famous person like Elon Musk to be on you know to to get uh, to get on the stage and get in front of people and uh, get some people to pay attention to you. Uh, and so, so that was really kind of the concept behind it is that, you know, because uh, because the, the fact is, like, you know, if, if you know, a mouse seems very small and quiet and insignificant until you have a family of them in your attic. Mm. Then, it, then, then, <laughs> then it's not so funny anymore. It's right. so small and insignificant, like, you know. So, so this idea that you cannot that you could be a pain and, and ruin somebody's attic, but uh, but that you know you can be heard, you can be loud, you can be, be attention grabbing. Um, even, even you know, um, if you just have this idea, you don't have the audience like an Elon Musk or an Oprah Winfrey would have.
1: Okay. And I would even talk about branding and personal messaging in the area of like apps and social media. For example, I'll bring two up. The first one would be LinkedIn, and which will pretty much B2B. And then the second one would be Clubhouse. Now, if you have a client that is interested in either of those or both, how do you advise someone to still retain that personal branding statement without being overemphasized or without being overambiguous with the idea that okay, these are organic platforms I can really stretch myself out in?
0: Um, I mean, it really kind of comes down to your goals. If if uh, what's the purpose of being on those platforms, and and are the people that you want to reach on those platforms? Because. You know if you're trying to reach uh you know 90 year old um, you know retirees or you know like, like nursing home patients and you're going on clubhouse it's it's probably not going to or even linkedin for that matter it's probably not going to work very well because your audience isn't there they're not there to receive the, your message so either you're not going to have uh you know a full room of people that are actually paying attention or you know people that are connecting with you on linkedin or or um, or you're going to have to change your message, and now you're inauthentic to who you are and what your purpose is. Right. So, so you know, all of a sudden you're showing up on Clubhouse doing uh, you know, how to be the next billionaire uh, kind of you know room, and you're talking to people that really aren't the people that you that you ultimately want to sell to, uh, and so you have to change yourself in order to accommodate the platform, and now you're completely you know uh, inauthentic and, and not being you know true to who you are. Uh, which I think is a big problem because personal branding is so much about, you know, stripping down to your boxer shorts and showing people who you really are and not trying to say like, you know, trying try to craft a message based on what other people want to hear. You know, you're, you're stepping up and saying, hey, this is who I am. This is what's important to me. This is what I believe. Uh, these are my values and attracting the right people. Uh, versus just saying, all right, who who's got money? Let me see what I have to say or to sell something to
1: them. Right, right. That's true. Speaking of personal branding in that context, how do you tell someone who has no idea where to start and has a very huge vision, has a very huge ambition, but they don't even know because all the social media platforms are getting oversaturated. As we go on, the cost per click is going high. There's so much going on. So how do you tell someone that's just starting that says, okay, I'll start today for the next 365 days and see what happens. How do they strategize themselves just from a fundamental basis?
0: Um, So, well, you can't, you can't just start and say like, all right, I'm going to give this to year and let's see what happens because, um, you know there's there's no meat there on the boat like you don't know like what are we even running towards where should we even go like there's so many unknowns that you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall hoping something sticks uh on the other hand like like you know what what we always do whenever i'm working with somebody the first thing that we talk about is um you know what's the goal like what do you what do you want this thing to look like a year from now or six months from now or five years from now um, you know, how do you define success? Like, you know, so, so when you think in terms of I have this big idea and now I'm just going to start putting it out there and hope something happens, like, what do you want it to look like? Is it a company? Is it, are you selling a product or is it, uh, do you have, uh, are you building an audience? You know, like, what is that goal? And once you get clear on that goal, it's just a matter of just backing it up. So if you have a one year goal, what does it need to look like at nine months or six months or three months or in 30 days? And and so this way you know that you're on track, but also um, so you're actually marching towards something as opposed to just trying a thousand different things. Because uh, there are so many platforms that you can that can steal your attention away. And everybody's talking about Clubhouse. And so, you know, you better be on Clubhouse, too. And so now all of a sudden you veer off the path and now you're wasting time on, you know, on Clubhouse when your audience isn't there. Or maybe uh, you, you know you're um, you spend so much time on LinkedIn and maybe your audience is on Clubhouse. and You should spend your time there and, and completely shift your your strategy. Uh, without knowing what your ta- you know what your target is, you're just you know kind of um, you know shooting at anything and, and hoping something sticks, and that never ends well. Um, you know, at the end of the 365 days, you take a step back and you look and you go, oh yeah, that's not what I was. That's not where I was heading towards.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think it's also a best practice to know exactly who is is looking for you by the content you actually bring out. Because if you're talking about a certain topic, there's already an age demographic. There's already a sociographic palette. You know, there's already someone that is in that business today that you would just have to compete with, but you have to know where they are. So it would now lead that person to know where can I be able to leverage my content on and sometimes people are very, very skeptical about paid ads because some people see them working. Some people just don't know how to start. They don't know if it's 18 to 44, you know, they don't know what to do with those metrics. So in terms of balancing organic and paid content, especially for content marketing and branding, how do you make sure that you're not spending too much and also not spending too less much of time in that same space?
0: Um, I, I think it, you know, it, it comes down to that clarity in the beginning. Like, are you willing to do the homework, you know, in the beginning to avoid um, having it cost you later? And, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, let's say you have your goal, you know, all figured out. I want to build a, an audience of, you know, twenty thousand people. I want to sell this program or this product or this thing or this service and uh and and so you have it pretty much laid out you know here's my one year goal um okay so now the next step like you said is is who is the one who are the people that are going to buy this thing and uh you know like who's my audience and once i figure out who my audience is um you know what problems do i solve with this thing and you know and how do i solve the problem differently than everybody else because if it's just another product that everybody else is trying to sell um, and there's nothing different about it then you're gonna either compete on price or you're just gonna get lost in the mix but if it's if it's something that makes people go like wow like that's a totally different way of looking I never thought of it that way uh, now you've, you've really kind of isolated yourself away from your competition uh, and so so there's a there's just a whole bunch of homework that has to happen before that uh, you know when you figure all that stuff out that when it comes down to pay you know that now it's time to you know uh, start paying for ads, um, you know who you're targeting, so you're not just, you know, you're not just guessing and, and just, you know, just spewing ads out to the, you know, out to the ether and hoping that somebody buys something. And, uh, you know what problem that they have, so you know how to gear the content within your ad, uh, and, and um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, what your solution is and how to solve that different from everybody else, so you know, uh, the kind of content, the kind of video or whatever you need to do within your landing page. Uh, to to really kind of convince people that that this is a solution that they've never seen before, and so so if you have if you do all that homework, then your ad campaign is going to be much more successful. So you know when the question is like how little or how much should you spend, if if every time I put a dollar in, I'm getting five dollars out, the amount is unlimited. Like I would do you know, how much do you have, you know, how much, you know, like if it's, and if it's consistent and you've done the work and it, and it, and it's working, then yeah, just keep, I I would keep, uh, you know, shovel, I I would write a blank check to Facebook if if that's the case, Uh, but if you're, if you don't do any of that homework and you're just guessing and I put in a dollar and I get 25 cents back. Then, um, then yeah, there's there's a budget involved here. There's a ceiling. There's only so far you can go, and you're going to be paying a lot of money to test whether what you're doing works or not. And, uh, and you better hope that that you know the next set of ads, you're a better guesser because because um, it's cost me a lot of money every time. Um, so so really, if you're willing to do the work up front, then you have a lot more room to play and you know because um, you know there, there's there's you know you, if it, the, the better it converts and the you know the the, um, uh, the the higher that you get to go.
1: Yeah. I'll even get a little more technical with this question because now that we've been talking about you know your return on your ad spent and return on your investments, how do you put in a space whereby you have an audience. It's a cold audience. You don't know who they are. Now you're warming up the audience with either email sequences or whatever you want to call it. Now, when it when it comes to building that cold to warm traffic or that cold to warm audience conversion lead, usually on Facebook, of course, we have the you know the brand awareness, the consideration, and the conversion. So when people are thinking about all these terms and conditions, how do they really make sure that they're not using for example, video views instead of lead generation for something that they know that would cost them later in the future. So in terms of just balancing that out, how do they make sure that even if their audience, they know their audience, maybe they have the right keywords, they've done their research, but you also know the cost per click is on different levels and scales. How does that person still make sure that as you're testing, which is something that you can't do without? If you don't test, you run your ads, you'll never know who is actually needing this. You may think that this group needs it, but actually, it's the it's Group B that needs it. So, how do you make sure that that problem solving technique is not oversaturated with ideas?
0: Um. So, th- th- just to clarify, I want to clarify your question a little bit. Yeah. Um, if we're go because we're gonna go deep. So, you mean in terms of, um, you know, we're pretty clear about who our audience is, but again, you don't really know until you until you you know uh, until you test it out. Um, and so you get to that point of testing, how, how far do you go with that ad, uh, or with whatever it is that you're doing? Um, you know, like at what point do you say, well, maybe this is the wrong group or maybe this isn't working or, you know, is that, is that the question?
1: Yeah. Like in terms of, like you said, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you don't want to do too much. You don't want to do too little. So you can run a test ad for a week. You can spend a huge amount in a week and you can spread it out through a a month. So in terms of making sure that people don't spend too much or spend too little, how can they make sure that they're trying their best to test with, you know, more results and less? What's the word I'm looking for? Less stress because people can get stressed when they don't see returns on their ads. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's it, you know it's really tough to say because it, it there's so many factors involved. Like if you're selling a five dollar product or a twenty dollar t-shirt, uh, that's a lot different than if you're selling like a five or ten thousand dollar you know service. Um, and and so so for a five or ten thousand dollar service, you may have to spend you know a couple hundred dollars just to get one lead. You know versus a shirt. If you're spending a couple hundred dollars to sell one shirt, you're in trouble. Uh, you know like that's a <laughs> you've you've made a mistake somewhere along yeah. the line. Um, so it really kind of depends on, on the market that you're, that you're in and what you're trying to sell. Um, and you know, you have to be reasonable, uh, like, like in terms of like, you can't spend, you know, $5 a day for three days and then go, Oh, it doesn't work. You know, you have to be willing to invest, uh, you know, like, and again, if you do that homework up front, then you, you have to, like, you should be confident enough to say, all right, I'm willing to throw 500 bucks at this, this week. And let's see like what the data tells us. Um and if you let's say you sell nothing, you just spent five hundred dollars, then um then how you have to look at it is okay, so I just bought a bunch of data for five hundred bucks. Because if you just say I just wasted five hundred dollars, you're gonna lose your mind. Um yeah. you know, it's it's you know, it's gonna put you it's gonna make you afraid to take the next, you know, step. Um, because it very well could end that way. You may spend 500, 1,000, 2,000, whatever it is, and walk away with nothing but some data. But data is really important, because data will, will point out where the holes are. Data will tell you uh, what needs to change and what worked and what didn't work. And so, you know, at least if you look at it from the perspective of, okay, I spent $500 or $1,000, and now I have information. Um, what can I get, get from this information that will that help me you – know, that, that's worth $500 or more? Um, what can I get from this information to make sure I save $500 the next time I try to do this uh, you know, uh, so, so it works better? Um, so, so that I, I think is, is kind of it's, – it's almost like a mindset. Um, because if you walk into it thinking that you wasted money or that, you know, or the ads are just a waste, or I didn't sell anything. So it was a failure or whatever. Um, then I think that you're not long for this world in terms of, of paid ads, because, um, you know, I, I've had plenty of campaigns where I've spent, you know, like, like I, I put me in the fetal position, like, you know, after spending like, Oh my God, we spent a couple grand and got nothing. Um, you know, but we took that data, we did something with it. And then as it ends up the third or fourth or fifth campaign was the one that really worked. Uh, we, if, if it was just about wasting money, then I probably would have quit after the second campaign.
1: Mm, Exactly. And when you're able to know what works, then you can use that machine and replicate it and still create a snowball effect after that. And, and now in terms of strategy and branding, I'm going to get a little, um, strategic with the question in terms of how somebody can pose their message. Because earlier you talked about how someone should really know their audience to know exactly what kind of verbiage to actually communicate with so that they're not losing their audience retention because of what they're talking about. So, when you think about webinars, because people do webinars like classrooms these days, now how do you take a personal brand? with webinar, email sequencing and ads and work them together so that you're not losing out because I believe the chunk of the information is behind the door, which is where the course is, the program, if it's lifestyle, inspirational, but within those 30 minutes or 45 minutes someone is spending, how do you make sure that that person is glued enough to not lose out because this is something they opted in in the first place. So they don't want to feel like they opted in and lost time.
0: So it's it's a fine dance that you have to to, to do between you know uh, um, showing that I know what I'm talking about you know have experience I've done this but without doing the whole here's a picture of me next to a Ferrari and you know like, like all that nonsense right like, like you know you know so so being able to flex a little bit of muscle um, you know uh, giving them something valuable that they can actually do something with um, you, you know I, I I'm a big fan of of you know, positioning your webinar in a way where like, like I can't do give you all the secrets in 30 to 45 minutes uh, even if I wanted to but it's also a terrible idea because you know if I give you too much then you're going to say well before I buy that program I'm going to spend the next six months implementing what you've already taught me. Right. So so not giving too much but, but also not wasting people's time and giving them something valuable. And then, um, and then the third, you know, kind of piece of that is just being, being very authentic and likable. Um, you know, if, if, uh, you know, I'm on your webinar and you have a very sleazy webinar where you've done nothing but brag about how great you are, gave me something of very little value. Uh, and, and on top of that, you're, you really arrogant or really, uh, obnoxious or you're very clearly very guarded or, you know, you read all the, the, um, Internet marketing books, and so uh, you know, so you're just regurgitating what everybody else says. You're not somebody that I want to buy a program from because I don't want to look at you anymore. I, right. Like I don't feel I don't feel connected to you. But if you're really likable and it was really enjoyable, and it was like, like it's almost like you're entertaining. You're not only teaching. You're not only telling stories, but you're also entertaining a little bit. And, uh, and you're somebody that I really want to get to know and I really want to, you know, do stuff with or, or learn from or be around, I'm more likely to buy that program uh, because I want to be around you, you know? Like, if you look at all the, you know, like, a lot of the internet marketing, like, the, the, the internet marketing folks that have lasted through the years, not not the one-and-done program types, but, like, you know, the, the Frank Kearns of the world that have been around for, you know, 15, 20 years or whatever, like, um, you know, Say what you want about frank he's a really smart guy uh and he's very likable like like you know you just want to you, you, you know it's it's not torture uh, listening to him uh talk you know you, you um and so you have to be that you have to have a personality you have to be somebody that um you, you know people are going to want to spend time with otherwise it's you know it, it's going to be a hard sell
1: Yeah, that's a really good point you mentioned, because even in webinars, if I'm able to get into a webinar, I don't know you. But within the first five to 10 minutes, I have a backstory of how you even got to this type of, you know, experience or career. Now I feel like I'm personable because people wouldn't buy from people they don't like. Period. Right. Even if you had the best jet, (laughs) if I don't like your attitude, I'm not going to spend that wasting time and energy. You know, try to reiterate what I'm trying to say to you the first time, second time, third time. So, even in terms of pricing, because people always know at the end of the webinar, there's always going to be a sale. The people already know what is (laughs) is going to happen. But in terms of pricing as well. When people hear okay, this course is ninety-nine dollars compared to someone else that says okay, this course is ninety ninety seven. Now, do those two have equal value or is it the value of the person that's offering? Because sometimes people say it's too expensive, I don't know if I need it. And people do need this. It's not like the only barrier is the finance, and that's usually where the conversion is. So sometimes people have struggles making that conversion rate. So how do you, you know, ease that curve so that it's not too it's not too crazy for the person?
0: Um, within reason, yeah. uh,
1: if somebody's
0: not willing to, to buy a program, like let's say it's nine ninety seven or whatever. And they're like, mm, this, you know, I'm going to pass on that. Uh, within reason it's, um, it's most likely because, uh, they just don't think it's valuable enough, uh, or they don't believe you that, that, you know, you're going to do what you said you're going to do. Um, or, uh, or you're tapped into the wrong audience. They genuinely don't need it. Um, you know, it's like we're not talking about, you know, buying a you know, two million dollar house where it's just out of reach for people. Like like, you know, for nine ninety seven, if this is going to, you know, if if this is gonna do the thing that you said it's gonna do, and um, you know, then it's it's not a lot to spend to, you know, to you know, if it's really that valuable. Now there's one other, you know, way that people might, you know, walk away from from something like that, uh, and that's if they don't believe in themselves. So you know, when they get done looking at this whole thing, and they go, "You know what? There's no way I'm going to finish it. I, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to buy this course, and I'm going to put it on the bookshelf with all the other ones that I that I you know watch the introduction module to, and then forget all about, um, and it's just going to be a complete waste of time. And uh, so I'm just not going to buy it." Um, you know, so you might have that as well, but but more often than not, it's, you know, it's, you're either just not making it valuable enough or you're not, you know, you're not clear on what the value is uh, or um, you've, you know, there's, there's something missing in terms of, I don't know if this is the right program, mm. uh, you know, and so um, it's, it's very rarely about price at that range at that zero to a thousand dollar range. You know, it's very rarely about the price more so than it is about you just didn't make it feel like it's worth it.
1: Right. Right. And speaking of even worth it now that you mentioned it, what if somebody says, "Okay, I know you may not think this is worth it, but here's a 30 day free trial to just get in and then see what it is. And then maybe you can pay a membership fee every month until maybe 12 month cycle, for example. Now, does that person feel more? Enti- not entitled, more willing to, you know, try and see what actually happens, or it'll be like, oh, it's free. There must be something. There must be a catch. You know, people usually think about those things. So, how do you leverage that too?
0: Uh, well, first of all, I would never say that. I know you probably think it's not worth it. because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you certainly don't want to plant that seed. First of all, if they're not thinking that, then all of a sudden it's like, oh. I guess something, you know, like, why would you think that it sounds like you think it's not worth it. Right. So, so I definitely wouldn't say, uh, I know you think it's not worth it or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it, like, you know, whether it's free for 30 days, and then you pay every month or whether it's, um, you know, one price or whether it's, you know, three payments, like wh- whatever you're charging for your, your program or your service or membership or whatever it is. like. I think it's less about um, trying to appease other people. Like, like I, I, think, I, I. It's not like there's nothing wrong with free for 30 days, um, as much as it's you know if you're using that as an excuse or just like like well, what if I give it to you for free for 30? You know, like, you know, as opposed to you coming out uh, and just very you know very clear, very you know with having nothing but clarity and an intention. Saying I'm giving I, I believe in this so much that I'm going to give it to you for 30 days because I know once you get a taste of what what's behind these doors, uh, you're going to be all in. Like I, there's there's just no question in my mind. Um, like like you know to come from that place that place of confidence and intention versus well I know you don't think it's worth it so let me give it to you for 30 days <laughs> so you can see for yourself. Like there's that's two very very different animals. Right. Um and uh and so it's it's. Um, you know whatever your pricing is whether it's a monthly fee or whether it's three payments whether it's an annual payment um, whether it's free for 30 days or there's a six month guarantee whatever that is um, if you, you come at it head on and um, and and uh, you know uh, hand it to people from that place of of uh, confidence it doesn't matter what the price is you know versus like making an excuse or trying to appease other people you know, like, well, I know you said no, so what if I gave it to you for 30 days? Now it feels like it's not valuable at all.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: you know, because it's just like, I was like oh, so I didn't want you. Like, I was going to, you asked me to pay $100 for it, and I said no, and then instantly you said $50. <laughs> so so now I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a second. Right. You know, um, th- that makes it feel like so you were about to rip me off, so now I don't trust you. And now, if I say no to fifty, will you say twenty-five? <laughs> you know, like, like it, it, it just creates it—it it, it creates like um, some friction uh, versus this thing is a hundred bucks, and you are gonna, you know, I mean, you are gonna be on your knees praying, uh, thanking, you know, thanking God for finding this thing because it's gonna be so valuable to you at a hundred bucks or fifty bucks or free or whatever it is.
1: You just mentioned something that just made me think about how people actually react to pricing because somebody would go and buy a really nice bag or go on a nice excursion, like an extravagant trip, but they wouldn't want to spend that same and invest in themselves. And sometimes people say, oh, just like you mentioned with books, we can have a thousand books and you can come to my house and be like, oh, you're bookworm, but really this is just decor, (laughs) you know? So, (laughs) So when somebody thinks about, usability strategy actually being there because once you buy that course once you pay for that program once you opt into that idea now as a coach now as a leader aren't you supposed to also help them through the process or just let them sit there and figure it out and say oh yeah you now you made 30 days complete you know they should be that balanced so how does someone use that so that they don't feel like they're being tricked
0: in terms of like what's once they get into the course
1: right like the whole process because you know after the sale there's still evaluation after that
0: yeah so i mean that comes down to to how you lay out your course like, like so uh when, when when um you know the, 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 i i have like a kind of like a uh teacher approach because my wife is is a teacher and so she's big on like lesson plans and rubrics and all this other teachery kind of stuff and so when I think in terms of uh, a course, the, I, I kind of look at it, uh, and with a lot of her help, um, through through the eyes of, you know, she's teaching fourth grade kids who want nothing to do with whatever it is that she's teaching, but they have no choice. And so you kind of have to like, all right, well, how do we make this interesting? How do we make it so somebody wants to go through this, this um, you know, process? So that means like setting this thing up and not as me doing a brain dump of, hey, here's everything I know. Now digest it and, you know, cross your fingers and hopefully you learn something, but really taking it from the perspective of, you know, okay, let's set this up in a way where it's where it's going to be a win, where we're giving small chunks of, of instruction, uh, giving exercises, giving re- you know ways for them to share, you know, like, so not only am I uh, clear about what I'm about to learn, um, you're giving it to me in bite-sized pieces that I could, that I could stomach and then you're giving me a a way to prove that I've learned it, whether it's, you know, some kind of uh, exercise that I could share on Facebook, whether it's, um, uh, you know, kind of like a, a, a quiz at the end of my, you know, at the end of the lesson, whether it's, you know, like something that I could do. And then the next lesson feeds right off of that. So, so like, hey, now that you learned this, let me show you how to take that and do this with it. And so you take it to that next step. And so it builds on top of each other. And um you know, so you're basically kind of holding their hand throughout the process. Um to you know, like like to 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 be actively involved in that and say like, well, I want to make sure that you make it through the thirty days, so let's get on the phone every chance we can or whatever. Like that's asking a lot for somebody, uh yeah. for, for you know, you as a teacher because it's not scalable. Um you know, and it's uh, it you, you know, you're going to be spending a lot of time, uh, you know, trying to help people, and at the end of the day, you can't want the outcome more than they want the outcome. Um, you, you know, like, like if you don't like if you don't think that this is important enough to go through this entire course, it's not my job to to you know uh to call you up every night and say, hey, did you do your homework tonight? You know, right. it, you know, it's my job is to make it interesting enough to where you are going to learn the lesson if you're willing to get through this course. Um, And my job is to make it, you know, as as palatable and as, you know, and and remove as many of the barriers as I can. But it's not to drag you, you know, drag your lifeless body through the end of the course um, because uh, you're not going to do anything with it when you get to the end if you're not willing to actually go through it.
1: Exactly. I like the fact that you mentioned that it has to be a building block. You can't just lead someone to crawl when they've not even realized that they need steps to get to that position where they can be independent and start to walk on their own. So sometimes some people can get into these courses or these programs or these books and read, and they just don't know what to do with them because now you've given them the blueprint. You've given them the strategy. Now implementing it, like you said, I can't be babying you every time. Hey, have you implemented this strategy 5.1. You know, you you can't be doing that all the time. So I think there's also a level of confidence you have to instill into your audience that gives them that confidence that I too can do this because it can look so Real. It can look so organic. It can look so promising. But when they tried themselves, they're like, ah, I didn't get it. You know, so is there that kind of personal branding approach that is also added as an element of surprise for them to stay connected to the, the reason of why they actually need this course in the first place?
0: Uh, from a personal brand perspective, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a matter of them. Um, you being the type of person that they're aspiring to, uh, so, so it's, it's not that like, you know, I want to be this person or whatever, but I want the level of success or the, you know, whatever, you know, thing that you, you know, however, you know, whatever your messaging is uh, that you put out that people, you know, want and they want access to and they want to be seen on that same level and they want to, you know, grow towards where you've gotten to. Uh, but doing it in a way where it feels more natural than, like I said, the the picture, you know, standing next to the Ferrari. Uh, sometimes it's not about the things at all. For for you know, for a lot of people, I, I find that that those kinds of you know brag, uh, you know, uh, humble brags um, are are uh, uh, more detrimental. Like you know, I've known plenty of people that are like, ah, oh, I can't stand that guy always taking pictures, you know, of his inside of his garage, you know, like. like it doesn't. It doesn't do anything for a lot of people. Right. In fact, it turns them off. So um, you know. So it's it's really kind of about that. Uh, you know, um, creating a a uh, um, kind of an end game of you know that's the kind of person I want to be like. I want to be like that person. I want to you know like, uh, like I want to be seen by my community the way that they you know, the way that their community sees them. I want to, um, you know, I want to be able to do good with what I've created, just like the way that they do good with what they've created. Like on that level, that I think that that your personal brand can really help people get through a course or, or um, you know, or or actually see things through. So it's not just this, uh, you know, this thing that they bought and they regret a week later.
1: Exactly, I believe that too, and I believe with personal branding, everyone has their unique story. So if you're able to tell your story as detailed and as digestible as possible, then somebody that's listening to you can relate and they can be able to follow through the strategies and models that you create. And even speaking of story, I know we talked about this early in the beginning about, you know, you being an author. I want to know exactly, you know, what your goal is this year as an author, what book are you working on and how can people even get to that? Because people need to read like the internet is so wide that people don't even read anymore they just swipe so how how so how do you get that audience for yourself and you know tell me more about your books and you know the author journey
0: sure so uh so my book actually started um now, the, the name of the book is, is uh, called Be a Dick, How One Person Can Change the World in the Most Unexpected Way, um, and so and it's not quite as, as awful as it sounds <laughs> uh, in, in terms of, uh, uh, it's, it's actually kind of a play on words. Um, the book actually started a couple years ago when, in the middle of like a midlife crisis, you know, uh, hitting bottom uh, kind, of, kind of moment in my life, uh, my family moved uh, from New Jersey to Florida to Tampa, Florida. And, uh, and it was there that I met my neighbor Dick, uh, who's this extraordinary guy, um, you know, late 60s, uh, early 70s, um, just had this illustrious career, like, so very successful, great family, uh, incredibly kind, very compassionate, um, you know, very authentic, just a decent human being, like the kind of person that that uh, you just really aspire to and it was it was very much like you know what we were talking about earlier yeah in terms of um, I found myself every time he's walking his dog around the neighborhood I found myself grabbing my dog and running outside so I could walk with him so I can just talk to this guy um, you know he's 20 or 30 years older than me and here I am you know um, uh, you know chasing him around like like a puppy dog uh, seeing him as kind of a mentor um, and uh, over time, uh, this you know coming from this really awful place, uh, he really helped me, uh, you know, mentor me out of it into uh, not only a much better place, but but really made me a better human being uh, because of it. Uh, and so, um, so I, I had been toying around with this idea of writing this book. I wrote a blog post about it. Some, you know, I told the story on a bunch of stages, uh, you know, for like you know, TED style talks. And uh, and everybody really gravitated toward the story. Loved the story of, of this guy, this like this, this modern day Mister Rogers, you know, kind of kind of thing. And uh, and so once the um, the pandemic hit, and then uh, you know all the riots started, and people, you know, everything was so unsettled. Uh, I decided that I was like, you know what? There's there's just no better time to, to write a story about being more kind, or more helpful, or more compassionate, and so I'm going to write this story, let's see where it goes. And so I did that, and I released the book in, uh, I think around November, like the early no, or early November, and just a lot of people gravitated towards it, fell in love with the story, uh, started sharing it, and, um, and so it started to build a little bit of an audience, a little bit of a movement uh, behind this idea of being a dick. You know, now all of a sudden it meant something totally different. Like, if you want to be a dick to somebody, you you know, you help them out, or you're, you know, you're more kind than you normally would. People started sharing stories of people that were like my neighbor Dick, and you know, in their lives, uh, people that they connected to, people that were uh, helpful to them when they needed it, or maybe in some cases it was them. And um, and so uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, uh, now coming from my career in Broadway, I have a lot of you know, musicians who are struggling. Uh, they were, you know, in a lot of you know big shows that have been canceled, Broadway's been closed for almost a year now. And uh, and so, you know, I was like, here I am telling everybody to do good and uh, I'm watching all my friends suffer and not do anything about it. So I decided to give all the money from the book away to, uh, to um, Broadway uh, to help actors, uh, struggling actors and musicians who are out of work Pay their electric bills, pay their food bills, uh, while they're waiting to get you know for Broadway to open back up again, which doesn't look like it'll be till July, uh, June or July. Um, And uh, and so so that's kind of been the focus of the book. Like the book has, um, you know, like the 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 purpose behind the book isn't to um, you know to make the first million. Like I'm not looking to be the next J.K. Rowling by writing this book. Um, what it is, is it's, it's, it's showing my core values, what's important to me, and who I am. Uh, it's on display for the world now, uh, and it's not just because I said that I, I think I should be more kind, it's like, you know, here it is, in print, you can read it, this is, it's, the, the purpose of the book is really to strengthen my personal brand, and who I am, uh, because I know that that'll trickle down to my agency. It'll trickle down to people buying books, it'll trickle down to my career as a musician. It'll show up in other areas because you're just one step closer to knowing who I am. Uh, you know, who I really am. You know, not just the, the facade that, that you know that, that people create when they, you know, they see a picture or see something that you
1: post on social media. Exactly. And that's a great way to put it because people need this kind of positive messages. There's so much negativity going on. That it's harder to find positive influence people than it is just to scroll and find someone fighting on the street, you know. So it's that balance and making sure that you're able to do good even while there's still bad going on. And if people want to also reach out to you or buy the book or, you know, just reach out and see how they can also be a part of this success story. How can they reach out to you and what can they do from their end?
0: Sure. So, um, best place to go is probably uh, markensign.com. It's m a r c e n s i g n.com. And uh, as far as like there are links to the book from there, uh, and also the agency. But there's also um, you can go to loudmouse.com to learn more about what we're doing for for people to you know get their messages out to the world. Or, um, for the book, it's uh, I want to be a (laughs) uh,
1: Wow,
0: (laughs) if if uh, if so, if you want to be somebody that that makes a difference in your community or changes the world around you, yeah, um, that's the best place to start because you know what I love about that story and and everything that it's that being a dick stands for is that uh, we all have the capacity to make a difference right now, uh, it doesn't take an instruction manual to be more kind to someone it doesn't take, you know, step by step process or a nine ninety seven course to be more compassionate. You know, we're all built with that, you know, deep down inside. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, just needed a gentle reminder uh, to step up and, and uh, you know, and help somebody else.
1: Yeah, I think people need to get this book like ASAP because that way <laughs> they would definitely know what they need and it will help them because we're still early in the year. So God willing, as you know, things get better and the world opens up again, you want to be ready for the world because people are going to take it differently now than before. You know, like right now, social distancing is so, I, I let me even put it like this. Some people said, like I have some friends that said, Even though the social distancing may close in, they're still going to be acting like social distance people. So it's going to be like a normal thing to stay away from people because it's just like, oh, I've been here by myself for a whole year. So you coming into my space, how is that going to help me? So there's that there's that balance that people I think need to know more of.
0: It's never going to go back to the way things were a year and a half ago or a year ago right it, it, it's just not it's it's going to be it's it's not going to be as bad as you know we can't leave the house uh, but it's also you know it's it's um, it's going to be it, it's it's going to be different like it's you know you better get used to it you better find new ways of uh, uh, of connecting with people because running around hugging strangers yeah. <laughs> those days are gone Uh, You know, it's just it's, you know, like I mean, think about it. Like we're so used to this. What would need to have happen in order for everybody to go back to what, like as if this never happened? Like we all know, like we're all terrified of germs now. Like if it's not COVID, it's another, you know, it's whatever's coming up behind it that we're now concerned about. You know, so so, yeah, I mean, it's like this is here to stay. And so you better find new ways of connecting with people, you know, on an emotional level. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be left behind.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I believe so. And now is a perfect time to actually stand out and be your own brand, be be a personal brand. I keep telling people that everybody is a brand. It's it's how you put yourself out there that people, you know, address you. My mom always tells me that. How you dress is how you're going to be addressed. And it's as simple as that, because if you dress the wrong way, you might get the wrong impression and it's hard to make two impressions at the same time. So you have to make sure that you do it the right way and stay consistent because somebody's going to count you or count on you for what you say, for what you did, because that way it can bring in that value and trust in the end
0: yeah i mean look everybody has a personal brand whether you know it or not whether you're working on it or not whether you're doing anything about it or not it's just a matter of whether um you have any say what other people think about you so so like if you're doing nothing about it then the rest of us are going to make some assumptions about you we're going to judge a book by its cover we're going to base it on you know the actions that we see you do go like oh i guess that's just the kind of person you know like like you know and and um You know, as opposed to if you're working on your personal brand, you can guide that conversation. Ultimately, people are going to, you know, like, like, you know, the personal brand is what people think about you ultimately. And so, um, you know, whatever you can do to help guide that conversation, uh, the better. Um, Because uh, if you're not doing anything about it, people are judging. They're thinking about you in ways that you probably don't want them to. So, So you have to control that conversation a little bit.
1: Exactly. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure people can definitely take home some information and take notes so that they can, you know, be a better person and just learn how to be a better, you know, citizen, a better, you know, civilized person that can actually care about somebody's well being rather than trying to see where they can take from them.
0: Can you be a dick.
1: <laughs> Perfect segue. Thank you so much, Mark. This has been an amazing session. I really appreciate you being here.
0: Uh, my pleasure. It's happy to be here.
1: Anytime, anytime. Yeah, I was just gonna say, what what last thing would you want to let people know before you know we let you go?
0: Um, yeah, you know, the 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 most important thing to me is is getting this message of of uh, you know uh, doing right. Other people, especially now, and so, um, yeah, like when when we think of making a difference or changing the world or leaving an impact and all that kind of you know, uh, fluffy stuff, we tend to think of people that are donating millions of dollars or or who are building schools in third world countries and all this other stuff. And the fact is that, that, uh, if you really want to make a difference in your life in the community and and uh uh and the world as a whole, it's just these little things, you know. Like it doesn't take a lot. If you just, you know, start by being a little more kind to people, um, start by being a little more humble, a little more generous, uh, a little more authentic, and uh, and you'd be surprised how fast the world changes around you.
1: Yeah, that's that's a definite good shot because that way people can take that in and see people how they like how you see yourself is how somebody sees you, and if you see yourself in a way that is valued that, hey, I actually have confidence and I was raised in a good home and I can actually be of good service and people will like you. And you'll be surprised at how people actually want to help you just because of how good you are to them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mark. This this is really insightful. It's pretty much uh, I'll call it a food for thought.
0: Sounds good
1: to me. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you so much once again and I'm wishing you a wonderful, wonderful week.
0: Thanks, you too.
1: You're welcome.